Well, once again, thank you so much to all of those who have continued to help us put these services together. Uh, for Melody Mokros, who always offers our children's time. Uh, for Brandon Bull, who is our special music for today. Don V. Meyer as our liturgist for the day. For all of your pictures and ways that you have helped to, to offer these, uh, these images of wilderness and hope together. Um, also for our praise team and for Gary Brubaker, who continue to put our music together so wonderfully. Thank you so much. Now, we are continuing in this series about learning to walk in the dark, looking at um, wilderness stories. So we're looking at stories through uh, stories throughout the scripture of wilderness. We started last week with the story of Hagar. Um, today we'll look at the story of Jacob. Next week is Moses. And then uh, we'll look at some stories of Jesus as well. And we'll see what we take with us and um, uh, into and out of the wilderness. Bishop Luttrell Easterling of the Baltimore-Washington Annual Conference asked um, a, a couple of months ago, she asked, what are we prepared to leave in the wilderness when we emerge? And I think that's a good question for us to ask, um, especially in, in this past year, as we've been in this time of what feels like wilderness. Um, what, do we, what do we take with us when we leave? What do we leave behind? What do we carry with us? And, and what do we let go of? So today, as a part of asking those questions, we'll look at the story of Jacob. Would you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, as we talked last week, um, just about the, the image of wilderness. Um, so wilderness is an image that's used throughout scripture, um, sometimes as a physical description, but not always. And oftentimes it's a metaphor, and it's a metaphor for feeling lost or um, lonely or confused or um, emotional. Uh, it can also be a, a a part of a metaphor about feeling alone or isolated, especially from God. We have the stories that we'll look at, like the story of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness, or um, our story from last week, Hagar, of being alone in the wilderness. Um, today, the story of Jacob wrestling with God in the wilderness. And so even though um, the wilderness makes us feel like we're alone or we're abandoned by God. These stories of scripture show us over and over again that we are never alone and that we are never abandoned. God is always with us and God always hears our cries. Maybe that's a little bit of a spoiler, but it's always good to hear and it's always good to be reminded because what happens in the wilderness is sometimes we get disoriented and we feel lost or um, we're just confronted with so much. I mean, just think about yourself for this past, I mean, this past year of, of all the things that you've, you've experienced and that you've gone through and, and how you felt throughout that. And some people have felt just fine. Um, and they hear these, these conversations about feeling different or strange, and they're like, but I haven't, and that's okay. And, and then there's some who, gosh, we just feel like there's just been so much thrown at us at one time, 
And, and in the middle of those things, when you're trying to just sort of, when you're in an ocean and it just feels like it's one wave after another and you just have enough to come up and, and take a gasp before the next wave hits you, you can, you can lose track of things in the middle of that. And sometimes it's easy to even just lose track of who you are. Maybe you've reacted or acted in ways that you're like, whoa, where did that come from? I'm not that person. Uh, maybe you found yourself angry or irritated. I, Stephen and I were talking about even just the TV shows that we watched together. And um, I said, I just can't right now. I just can't watch that because it just makes me angry. And that seems so silly. And also, it's just where I'm at. And I, and I think it's okay to acknowledge that first and say, this is where I'm at. And if I don't want to be there or I shouldn't be there or it's not healthy to be there, how do I work on getting somewhere else? But it comes with first saying, whoa, who am I? And sometimes we just feel lost in that. And, and that's part of what happens in the wilderness. We just feel just lost. And we're not. And we have to remember that. So I think that's where this story it helps with that a little bit. Um, so we have the story of Jacob. Now, um, if you're familiar with the story of Jacob, you know that Jacob and God, well, they have, well, Jacob himself, he has a really complicated history. And this, I'm going to say that over and over about so many of the folks in the Bible, because I think what happens when we talk about people and characters in the Bible and parts of these stories is that we often, um, we make them two-dimensional or we make them to be someone that they're actually not. Um, and Jacob is someone who is really complicated and as a hero of the faith. I mean, oftentimes you'll hear throughout scripture, the God of Isaac, the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob. Um, and so we hear this hero's name, and also he was a flawed human. So, like, he stole his brother's birthright and blessing. When Jacob was born, <clears throat> he was a twin. Esau is his twin. And um, Esau was born first, and Jacob was literally, uh, well, according to scripture, he was holding on to the heel of Esau to try and be first. And um, then later in life, again, he stole his brother's birthright for a bowl of soup. I mean, we can talk about Esau another day, but um, I mean, Jacob did that. He manipulated his brother into stealing this birthright to be named firstborn. And then he himself, and so then after he runs away from Esau, because Esau was kind of annoyed, kind of irritated, ticked off. Um, so he runs away. And in part of his running away, um, Jacob gets tricked himself. Um, he finds the woman of his dreams, the woman that he's going to marry, um, and uh, wants to marry her and goes to her father and says, I want to marry this woman. And her father says, yeah, that's great. And then, oh, BTW, you actually married her sister first. So he marries both Leah and Rachel. Um, that's not what he wanted. And 
he got tricked himself in the middle of that. Now, by the time in this part of the story that we pick up, um, Jacob is going to meet Esau for the first time after stealing his blessing. Oh, I mean, can you feel that heaviness? Like, imagine that you've been the person who's betrayed someone, that you have manipulated and lied and got something that you really didn't deserve. And now you're going to see that person again for the first time. There may be feelings, well, for Jacob, there's definitely feelings of guilt. I mean, in fact, he sends a lot of gifts across the river as an apology. So he sends this like parade of gifts over as, remember, I'm sorry, Esau, don't kill me. Um, and then Jacob goes across the river uh, to be alone. And, um, and maybe you've been there too, where you, before going into maybe a confrontation or a difficult conversation, you just need to go and, and take a breath, take a beat and be alone. The thing with, with Jacob and, and also with us is that we're not alone. And Jacob especially is not alone where he's at. And says that he wrestles with God all night long. And at the end of this, God changes Jacob's name to Israel. And just so Jacob doesn't forget this interaction that they've had, he, God strikes uh, Jacob on the hip. <clears throat> now, in the scriptures and in the story, there is not like a... There's not a script of dialogue of what they may have said to each other in the wrestling. <clears throat> I mean, was it just like a series of grunts? Like, ooh, ooh, that hurt. I mean, maybe that's all it was. Maybe there was, there were no words shared. Maybe it was just silence. <clears throat> and I think by the fact that there's nothing there, it leaves it to imagination and to place yourself in that story too. I mean, what would you say? What would part of your conversation with God be like? Do you have any questions that you would ask God? What would you do? I mean, can you imagine what it would be like to see God face to face? <clears throat> I mean, I'm not sure how I would feel. Would I be excited? Would I be angry? Would I be happy or afraid? If you saw God face to face right now, what would you say? Well, after this wrestling happens and this interaction with God uh, Jacob is left with a hip out of place. There's a physical reminder of this interaction. <clears throat> okay, I'm going to make a connection here. And we're going to go from Jacob and wrestling with God, and we're going to talk about my little ponies. It's going to make sense, I promise. Um, my little ponies. Maybe you're a My Little Pony fan, maybe from childhood or maybe from your children or grandchildren. Um, there's even a, a community of um, bronies, of uh, 
guys who are into My Little Pony. They call themselves bronies. So, hey, wherever you are is totally fine. Um, so here's the connection between My Little Pony and Jacob, right? Okay, so in My Little Pony, here's the, the lore, the legend of it. Uh, the ponies have a little mark on them, and it's called their cutie mark. And it's a representation of them. It's a representation of their passion or their personality or their calling. And their cutie mark appears when they have figured this out. When they figured out their passion or their personality or their calling, the cutie mark appears. Um, and usually, usually figuring that out, you know, whatever that is, um, usually comes through some hard work. You know, maybe a little bit of uh, wrestling. I'm not sure if that's the word that's used in My Little Pony lore or how they would talk about it, but it's hard. Okay. Do you know where their cutie mark appears when they figured this out? When they have figured out their passion or their personality or their calling, where does that cutie mark appear? On their hip. Their mark of identity is on their hip. Jacob's name is changed and his identity as the head of the tribe of Israel happens. And his reminder is this dislocated hip. Look, I'm not saying that Jacob is a My Little Pony, but I'm also not not saying it. I mean, it's these stories that appear in different places throughout our culture and throughout our lives that are reminders, too. I mean, what's your cutie mark? What does it look like? How have you gotten it after some wrestling Who are you? Now, in the middle of the wilderness, we can lose sight of who we are, who God has called and claimed us to be. I mean, even for Jacob, he lost sight of that a long time ago. Am I this person? Am I this person that steals from my brother? Is that my whole identity? Am I this person who got tricked into marriage? Is that my identity? And in the wilderness, we can feel like those things that that aren't become who we are. And sometimes we need to be reminded, this is not who you are. Jacob, you are more than your past mistakes and your flaws and your issues. You're someone else. You're not Jacob, you are Israel. The mark is on your hip. And maybe for you, you need to hear that same thing too that you're more than your mistakes, you're more than your flaws and issues. You are a beloved child of God. I mean, that's the initial cutie mark, right? You are beloved. 
a few weeks ago, <clears throat> I uh, was feeling a little overwhelmed with life. Uh, I had been editing a part of the worship service, and it, uh, I think I was about eight or nine hours in, and I was just frustrated and angry, and um, I'm not sure who called first, um, but my niece, uh, Emma, who's three, we were on FaceTime together, and I was just grumpy. Um, now, Emma <clears throat> is, at, she's three, and she loves Doc McStuffins. And Doc McStuffins is always diagnosing illnesses or disorders or things with her stuffed animals. Um, and so Emma often walks around diagnosing things. Um, and so I said, Emma McStuffins, I am grumpy today. And she said, oh, no. And I said, yeah, I have the grumpies today. I said, what should I do? Now, Emma gave me some advice. And um, I asked my sister if she would record that advice that Emma gave me that day. And so here's a video of Emma telling me what to do when I have the grumpies. I mean, come on. Is that not the cutest thing you've ever seen? And also some really good advice. I mean, when I called and I said, Emma, I have the grumpies, what should I do? She went, oh no. First, take a deep breath. <sighs> then take a nap. Then eat a snack. I mean, they're simple things, right? She came up with those things all on her own. And probably because those things have made her feel better at some point. And you know what? I've got to be honest. <laughs> it helped. I mean, it doesn't hurt that it came from a cute little three-year-old's mouth, but it was also really profound. <laughs> Sometimes it's what's simple that helps us to remind us of who we are. We're not our grumpiness. We're something more. We're someone more. But the wilderness can feel overwhelming. And sometimes it takes us stopping, wrestling, to be reminded this, this isn't how it has to be. There can be something different. And wrestling with, with yourself or with God, it, with your identity, it, just like everything, it's a process. Now, maybe you've never felt like you've needed to wrestle with God. Maybe you have always understood that you, who you are as a child of God. And maybe you're not. Maybe you're stuck in the wilderness, in, in pain and in hurt. Maybe you're stuck in anger. Maybe you're trying to find your way out. Maybe you're somewhere else altogether. Wherever you are, you're not alone. God is with you. And there are others in that same wilderness. Now, maybe it's not the same path or the same exact life experiences. And also, the, circum the emotions can be the same. 
wrestle. Find your cutie mark. Remind, be reminded that God loves you and God is with you always. And hold on to hope. And then share that. For someone else who might be in the wilderness wrestling with that same thing. To know that someone else has been there and can get through it. Hold on to hope for yourself and for others. Those voices in the wilderness can be loud and deafening. Those voices that tell us who we're not, that you are only a collection of your mistakes and flaws and issues. And it's not true. But when we feel lost, those voices are loud. Remember that God's voice is louder. God says to us, you are mine. Flaws and all, imperfections and all, mistakes and all, fears and all, you are mine. Remember who you are and remember whose you are. Take a deep breath, take a nap, eat a snack. Look for your cutie mark. Remember, you belong to God. Thanks be to God. Amen.